Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Timothy Egan with us. Leading schools and districts has never been more challenging and complex. Today's leaders need to know their educational philosophy and personal platform. Leaders need to know themselves well and be able to easily and succinctly explain what they believe in. Leaders need to surround themselves with the smartest and most dedicated people while challenging them to do the same. With a BS in ceramic engineering, Dr. Timothy Egan decided to transition to the family business education. Timothy has previously served as an assistant principal, a K-12 supervisor for assessment in math and science, assistant superintendent for instruction and curriculum, and assistant superintendent for personnel. In 2008, he was awarded a Doctor of Education from Hofstra University in Leadership and Policy Studies. For the past three years, Timothy has proudly served the Kings Park community as their superintendent of schools. Timothy is a past president of Long Island ASCD, current president of New York State ASCD, and an adjunct professor in the School of Education at Hofstra University. Timothy strongly believes in mentoring leaders and aspiring leaders. Over the years, Timothy has assisted numerous aspiring leaders in fulfilling their internship requirement, and he has also served on several doctoral dissertation committees. Mentoring is definitely a part of his personal platform. Lastly, Timothy is a firm believer that leadership matters. As the saying goes, it takes a village, but the tone always comes from the top. So welcome, Dr. Tim Egan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Great. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. Fantastic. So can you tell us a bit about your leadership path and what you're doing now? You know, if, if I look back as far as even middle school, high school, I always considered myself a leader. I gradually worked my way up in the Boy Scouts, attained the rank of Eagle Scout, and, you know, up through high school was always very involved in student leadership type things. Uh, That transitioned into college, where I continued to be a leader. I was actually an engineering student in college. A ceramic engineer. Ceramic engineering and material science. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in that. And sometime around 1995-96, I transitioned professionally from engineering into what I like to refer to as the family business of education. I come from a long line of educators in my family and started out as a chemistry, physics, and science research teacher at Walt Whitman High School here on Long Island. Uh, Later became an assistant principal on the middle level, 
and then worked my way up to central office where I was the supervisor of science, mathematics, and data, then assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. All of those titles were in the South Huntington Union Free School District. I then went to Plainview Old Beth Page, where I was assistant superintendent for human resources for two years, and then most recently came here to Kings Park three years ago as superintendent. Quite a journey. Now, what made you shift from engineering to education? Great question. So I really enjoyed learning, and I loved math and science. I was very good at engineering and enjoyed time at the lab, but just at the same time knew that something was missing. I really enjoy working with kids. Ironically, I I had been a a swimming instructor all through high school and college. That was my summer job. And I TA'd a couple of engineering classes at Alfred University where I did my undergrad. Everyone in my family was an educator, so I decided... Yeah, it was in the DNA. I decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and see if education is my path. And it turned out it definitely was. Wonderful. So how would you describe your leadership style? I would describe myself as what I call management by walking around. I'm a very technical person. I like to see it for myself Mm -hmm. because if I can see it, I can explain it to the Board of Education. And ultimately, that's one of my key functions as superintendent, to be able to explain what's going on to the community, to the Board of Education. One of the things that I feel very strongly about as a leader is being able to explain my thinking process to the people that I work with, because if the people I work with can understand how I think and how I'm going about my decision-making process, they can continue that decision-making process when I'm not around. So you're already thinking about your legacy or helping to establish the success of this place. Absolutely. And I also strongly believe that leadership comes from within, Mm -hmm. that you really need to know yourself as a leader and what makes you tick and what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to explain that to the people you work with. So your personal platform. Absolutely. Okay. So which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? This was a great question. And if you've ever gotten an email from me, you see that every email signature has a quote attached to it. A different quote? A different quote. I'm a collector of quotes. But the one that I think really resonates more than anything with me is, it takes a whole village to raise a child, which is an African proverb which speaks a little bit to my leadership style as well, that it's never about me. It's about, in this case, the community of Kings Park and the educational community and moving the community forward. And everybody plays a role or a part in that community, and we're all focused on the health and well-being and growth of children. So I love that quote. Any other quotes? There are a couple of quotes by Einstein that involve not everything that should be quantified are quantifiable and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, data, I think, are important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think in education we try to quantify things a little bit too much to the point where education... Yeah, and we don't want to be numbers. We don't want to think of our teachers and our students as numbers. So data are helpful, but we don't want to overdo it. Right. So, Tim, what type of leader are you inspired by? Good question. I'm inspired by leaders who can explain succinctly and clearly why they've made a specific decision. Mm -hmm. 
So I'll give you a good example. We have a couple of local leaders who I have great respect for, and this is not meant to be a political statement. Michael Fitzpatrick, for example, is a New York State assemblyman. He and I don't agree on everything, but I respect him tremendously because A, he always has time when I have questions, and B, he can always very succinctly explain why it is he believes what he believes in. And I have great respect for leaders like that. You know, we're never going to agree 100% on everything, and that's to be expected. But I think too often we have leaders in local, state, and federal level who can't easily explain why they've done something. I think that's important. And responding to your why shows respect for you. Absolutely. So, you know, we have our kids, too, who always say, why, why, why? Absolutely. And as a teacher, especially as a science teacher, that was always something that I strove to do. You know, each and every day, if I didn't answer the question, you know, why is this important to know, I wasn't doing my job. And you reason through things, so that question is really important. I get it, because I like to reason through things, too. I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. Everything needs to have what I call a logical business decision. There needs to be an explanation, and if I can't explain it, then that's a problem. Right. So, Tim, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever got from a mentor was along the lines of the greatest gift you can give an employee is confidence. Mm. Confidence that they can do their job, confidence in their skills. The greatest gift you can give anyone, whether it's a leader, a teacher, custodian, teacher aide, you name it, is confidence that you believe in them and that they can do their job. That was great advice and has helped me in many, many, many situations in my career. Because I imagine that people feel valued when you believe in them and you devalue when it's the opposite. Absolutely. We've all experienced that. So, Tim, I imagine as a leader that you've built many teams or have been a part of teams. So how would you build or sustain a good team? One of the most rewarding things that I get out of being a leader is, in fact, that, building teams. So there's a book by Peter Sange, The Fifth Discipline. And in that book, Sange talks about what he calls learning disabilities of organizations, And one of the key learning disabilities is I am my position. Mm -hmm. So one of the goals of the leader in building the team is that this is a team problem. We have some team learning that we need to do today, and we have a challenge, and we need to overcome this challenge or meet this need. I'll give you a very concrete example. So many school districts apply for E-rate, which is monies that school districts get. And when you think of money, you probably think the business office, but it's monies for technology, so sometimes it involves the technology office. What you need is the team that is going to tackle E-rate, which is going to bring money into the school district. So if you have a dysfunctional team, the business office will point at the technology office and say, that's their job. And the technology office will point at the business office and say, that's their job. Mm -hmm. But if we sit down and address the problem, the issue together, and we come to a team solution, that's going to get us the money. And you'd be surprised how many districts don't even apply for E-rate or don't apply for it in a way that's most efficient for the school district because people don't work together in the manner that they should in order to make it happen. So how do you help the team work together as a leader of that team? Ultimately, it all boils down to trust and the fact that, you know, yes, we all have our job descriptions, but we have a goal, which is to supply the best possible education at the lowest cost. Mm -hmm. 
So at the end of the day, we all play a role in that. And from time to time, I do need to point out, you know, you're being your position. You know, let's just solve the problem. It reminds me of Dr. John Maxwell. He wrote the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. What he says about position, people equate position with leadership. And all a position does is gives you time to really grow in your leadership. It gives you the authority. And I'll be the first person at a meeting to say, look, I have some thoughts on this topic, but don't look to me for the solution. Let's talk about some solutions and one we think is going to be the best for us. You know, but don't think that me as superintendent is necessarily going to have the solution that I'm asking you to enact today. I wholeheartedly agree. Now, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? I struggled with this question a little bit, but, you know, I think one of the personal challenges I had was back around 1995 or so when I was a bit of a frustrated engineer and my challenge was I enjoyed learning math and science but I didn't find my work rewarding and ultimately that challenge led me in the direction of education. So that'll connect a little bit with one of the questions we're going to get to later. I had to kind of see the writing on the wall so to speak and move my cheese in a direction which was getting out of my comfort zone But the whole idea of being a frustrated engineer and not really finding my work rewarding and wanting to work with children and families, you know, that kind of led me in the career direction and led me to where I am today. Okay, great. Now, tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life and the life of those around you. So one of the biggest challenges I had when I got here to Kings Park was we had a high school roof in need of just under a million dollars of work. And facilities that were in very high disrepair. So we needed help, and we needed help pretty quickly. So one of the things that I was able to do with the support of the Board of Education and the community was begin to work on a community bond facilities project. And it was a huge undertaking. It was about a whole year's worth of work. What really helped to drive the project was I didn't have any real preconceived ideas of what I wanted to do, but we did get a lot of input from the community, and I think ultimately that was the major driver of the success of the bond project. It ended up being a little over $41 million. Uh, We're in year two now, and we've already finished the roof at the high school, which was a huge project. We did the uh, synthetic turf field at the high school. We've renovated the main gymnasium at the high school, you know, various things all over the district. And we have four more years of that bond project yet to go. That has made a huge lasting impact, not only on our students, but also on the community and having pride in our schools and our buildings and really helped to re-solidify the pride in Kings Park the pride now people see this is new this is different the community has invested in something that is for the future so what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture so i have kind of a neat answer to this question you know i reflected on this one for a little while and there's a great book who moved my cheese by spencer johnson there are four key players or mice in the book sniff scurry ham and haw And the whole book is on these four characters and who moved my cheese. Mm -hmm. And my advice to someone who's discouraged is find a place where you can be encouraged, not discouraged. If where you are is bringing you down, 
find some place where you're going to be encouraged and appreciated. It's a very simple message, but I've given that message to a couple of my mentees over the years who went from places where they were very unhappy and, you know, very discouraged in their work environment to a place where they've now flourished. You mentioned mentees. So tell us about that. You obviously believe that that's really important, having a mentor. Absolutely. Part of my leadership platform has always been mentoring. And Typically, on an annual basis, I will take an administrative intern. I have one this semester through Hofstra University, and it's something that I just believe in. Probably going back 10, 12, you know, maybe 15 years, I pretty much had an intern every year. Now, did you have a mentor? I'm assuming you did. I absolutely did. I just had lunch with one of my mentors not too long ago. I've continued to keep in touch with them. I really believe in passing the baton and teaching and been fortunate through Hofstra University to be involved in a couple of dissertation committees Mm -hmm. and been able to mentor on that level as well. Great. And really, it doesn't matter how high you rise. You always need to be open to input from other people. Absolutely. The dissertation committees are fascinating because you learn that way too. The person who's writing the dissertation is becoming an expert in a particular area. And if you can help them to get to that point and learn from them at the same time, it's just a great place to be. Great. Okay. So speaking of learning, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? I truly believe in the phrase of being a lifelong learner. And what that means to me is whatever setting I'm in, coming to work every day, I'm always trying to learn something new. And what I like to call make a friend. If I'm going to an event somewhere, I'm going to make a friend. I'm going to try to learn something from them. There are leaders out there who will walk into a room and firmly believe that they are the smartest person in the room. That is not me. I like to surround myself with really smart people and learn from them. Two of the things that I'm currently learning a little bit more about is, number one, coding. I'm looking to bring more coding activities and ways to afford students the opportunity to learn to code and program K-12 here in Kings Park. So that's one area that I'm learning a little bit more about. And also the concept of personalization of education. I'm currently reading a book. It's an ASCD title, Students at the Center. It's written by Benna Kalik and Allison Zmuda. Just recently came out. It's on the topic of personalization of education, which is very similar to differentiation but it puts the student more in charge of the design of the instruction. It puts the student at the center of the steering wheel, so to speak. How interesting. So how do you see putting that here, or do you not want to say that yet? That's (laughs) okay. So I'm actually looking to merge the two concepts of coding and personalization together. We're looking at a, a tool that we're going to be implementing next year, which is a coding tool. It's called Kid Oyo. The OYO is on your own. So we're going to introduce it K-12. And very much like many of us have heard about Minecraft, mm-hmm. and some of us may have children or nieces and nephews or grandkids who are on Minecraft all the time. And we may not totally understand what they're doing on Minecraft, but they're learning. They're creating and they're being creative. Same thing with Kid Oyo, where students can learn to code and actually expand their skills to the point where they're learning coding language like Scratch and Python, which are two well-established languages that are used to make things happen. 
you know, in the coding industry. So there's work to be done there, and uh, I'm looking to focus more on that next year. Love that, because you're thinking of the future. Whatever that looks like, right, we need to move in that direction. So I really would love to continue to have that conversation with you. Now, if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? This is an easy one to answer. I mean, it's the whole view of public education right now in this country. We're just not in a good place. Public education has always been, back to our founding, one of the pillars of this country. Mm -hmm. And more than ever, public education is under attack. Uh, We hear more about choice, more about charters, vouchers, things of that nature. I'd like to see us focus more on free and appropriate public education for all rather than choice. Unfortunately, the federal government is taking things in a much different direction right now, and that's something that, quite frankly, I'm not very happy about. When I hear what you're doing and what you're thinking of doing, that makes me so proud of public education because you're thinking of the future and driving it in that direction because there are some schools that are just steeped in being stagnant. Well, you know, we definitely have places around the country in New York State and even here on the island where we could do a little better. But public education as an institution, I think, is a pillar of this country. And I just get very sad when you look at particularly funding at the federal level and, you know, the proposed 13 to 14 percent cut in public education for the 2018 fiscal year budget is just not good. It's horrible. Okay, so Tim, what have you read that our listeners should read? Two things come to mind. One is the book by Peter Sange that I mentioned before, The Fifth Discipline. Mm-hmm. It's not a new title, but it's a great leadership title. And one of the pieces of that book that I think are really important are what Sange calls the learning disabilities of an organization. The second title that jumped out at me that I found very helpful in my career is Leadership Without Easy Answers by Heifetz. And the concept in that book that I think is crucial for leaders is the concept of adaptive work and adaptive change. So sometimes as a leader, you're going to run into an area where the current knowledge and the current culture is different than where the organization needs to get to. And the organization needs to do some learning and adapt in order to get to that new place. And if the leader doesn't see that adaptive work is needed in that context, whatever change he or she is looking to enact is going to fail. So those are two books that I found in my travels to be incredibly helpful. In education especially, this is important to really look at, observe, adapt, ask the questions, and get the mentoring, all of that. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much for that. Now, Tim, there's a lot of responsibility on you. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? The answer is probably not enough, but uh, (laughs) the, the two things I try to do daily is, number one, plan. Even for uh, a conversation like this one, you know, I, I, You're I plan, very well I write down notes, you know, you, you, got, you got to be ready. Right. Um, you know, there's that old adage, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, you need to reflect at the end of the day, think about that conversation you had with an employee. Think about the conversation you had with a parent. You know, how could I have approached that a little differently? You know, what would I do next time? 
So, you know, there's what I call the drive to work where you're planning and then there's the drive home from work where you're reflecting on the day and you're thinking about what you would do differently and how you might attack that a little differently in the future moving forward. So, you know, Tim, you occur to me as someone who's very intentional. Is that an important quality to have as a leader? I think it is. There are uh, times where you just get lucky, but Mm -hmm. I think they're few and far between. It's like my golf game. You know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. But if you don't get out on the golf course and practice, you're not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. So I think intentionality is really important. It's still helpful to be lucky once in a while as well. (laughs) Sometimes you create your own luck. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for that. Now, many ed leaders put in long hours. So any advice about maintaining balance? So number one, and I always say this, I endeavor to stay married. Uh, Good plan. (laughs) Absolutely. I encourage all leaders, you got to put your family and your kids and your spouse first. Number two, to be completely transparent with your family calendar. So my wife and I have one Outlook calendar. And we event invite each other to various things. What that looks like on my end for my assistant is in my calendar, I have all my wife's PTA meetings. I have my kids' soccer games. She's a school psychologist and very involved in PTA in Northport, East Northport School District. So at times, I'm sure I crack my assistant up with, you know, some of the things she's going to see in my calendar. But it's all right there. And it's completely transparent. And then if you encourage your fellow workers to do the same, and I'll give you an example. So this time of year is concert and awards season. There's no way you can get to everything Mm -hmm. as an educational leader. And if you do, you're never going to see your family during the months of May and June. So we sit down and we make sure that somebody gets to everything. And we literally sit down as a team and say, okay, when are your kids' concerts? Okay, so you're not available these nights. Um, So as a team, and you're talking about your principals, your directors, you're all keeping in mind they have families. Exactly. Awesome. And that's important. And, you know, when people know that you're going to support them if they can't make a function because it's their own child's fifth grade concert that night, they should be at their own child's fifth grade concert. You know, I'll take tonight. You can cover for me when I need to be at an event. I think that it builds trust and, you know, you need to have some administrators and leaders at all functions, but, you know, you also need to be mindful of everybody's personal lives. You know, I'm anticipating that you may have some people applying for Kings Park Central School District because that is so key, the fact that you value your leaders that much. So thank you so much for that. Now, Tim, if you were to go back in time, What advice would you give the younger you about leadership? There was one thing that kind of stands out. So there's what I like to call the ladder of inference. What I mean by that is when you jump to a conclusion without all the facts. We all do this to some extent, but the times I've gotten myself in trouble, so to speak, in my career, is when I've drawn a conclusion too quickly without doing a little bit of research. So we're waiting for the process to unfold. Absolutely. You know, so patience is important, not jumping to a conclusion right away. The more mature me has gotten 
much better at this over the course of my career. As a new and an aspiring administrator, that's something that I struggled with periodically. Well, I really appreciate that advice because we have a lot of people who listen who are new and aspiring leaders, and this is really key. So, Tim, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? I have two things I was going to hit on. I already spoke to the mentoring piece. I do believe that that is incredibly important. Leaders today, whether you're an aspiring leader, a new leader, uh, just getting your feet on the ground, you need to be able to call somebody who's been around for a little while and, you know, just pick their brain periodically. And that's kind of our job as veteran leaders to do that. The other piece of advice I had is a little bit more philosophical, but I think really important. So one of the things I believe our job as leaders is to listen very carefully to the organization, to the community, and where it wants to go, and then take them there. That's our job. So listen to the community, listen to our staff, listen to our students. Where do they want to go? And then help them to get there. I think where leaders kind of get themselves jammed up sometimes is they come in with what they want to accomplish and their agenda. And if your agenda and your philosophy and what you want to accomplish is very different than what the community and the organization want, you're going to have a problem. So the goal is the perfect match between where you might want to see this place go and where the place wants to see itself go and philosophies and beliefs and so on. When you find that match, it's a great fit. If you're not in a place where there is that good match, then go back to what I said earlier about the Who Moved My Cheese book. You know, sometimes if you're discouraged, you got to find a place where there's a better match. It all ties in with what we talked about at the very beginning, where you like management by walking around, so you're observing everything and to adapt to what is needed as opposed to what your agenda is. So I really appreciate that. Tim, I want to thank you so much for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. Absolutely my pleasure. It's been fun. Great experience. (laughs) Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.